Since the dawn of time, humankind has been plagued by various questions. How did the universe begin? Is there other life? Is there a God? Will we ever truly find Wally or Waldo, Waldo to any Americans listening? But finally, we are here to put the biggest debates to bed. From the best biscuit to the best movie of all time, we have the answers. Join Sab, Jem and Rachel, a humble bunch of rankers, as we debate the best things you have ever known, seen, read, eaten or drank. And on today's show, we have a mega topic, which our two combatants will be categorising into mid, elite and god tier and arguing their case for each. This week, we will be ranking, and this is a big one, best actor to play a movie villain. Woohoo! I'm your host, Rachel, and battling it out in the ranking arena today, in one corner we have a woman who, according to last week's show, wears a crown of fiery orange hair. It's Jem. Hello. <laughs> and in the other corner we have a man who is probably still riding high after his false victory last week, talking about some shit colours that I'm definitely not still bitter about. It's Sav. The judges' rules are always final, so let it go, you lost. <laughs> Next. <laughs> well, hello to both. Um, how are we feeling about this week's debate? Very interested. I'm very, very curious to see what Sab has chosen. Yeah. I prepared, yeah, it's, um... did all the research for when, oh yeah, this is going to clash. Mm. And then apparently it doesn't. So now I'm a little bit fearful of what he's chosen. <laughs> yeah, that's what this is. Like the, it's like the fear of the unknown, the uncertainty. It's a fear of the uncertainty. Like we don't, like, Gem has gone for three completely different people to me. So that's like... Who could they be? <laughs> kind of half the fun is you guys don't know each other. Like I know what you've chosen, but you don't know what the others chosen. And... So I'm I am worried as well. Like if it's just someone that I had didn't even think of, but then I don't know. I don't know. It's that's what the beauty of this is. Well, I am. I'm certainly looking forward to revealing your choices. Okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The the rules are simple. Your actor has to have been in at least two movies as the villain, and I've left it down to you to um, and your own choice and debating skill and um, for franchises and you will have two minutes per tier to state your argument then you give your rebuttal to your opponent when both opening statements are complete uh, Sab I believe I had to start last week so uh, you, can, you can be first to the batting block this week and remember folks the points mean nothing but the rankings are absolute nice. Sab Very take nice. it away okay well um, let's kick this off so mid tier <coughs> I've gone for Ray Fiennes um, now, as we all know, as we all know, British actors make the best, the best, the best, <laughs> British actors make the best villains. That is just how it is. Now, I mean, no offence to our many listeners from across the world, but we do villains like no one else. On the screen, that is, not in the real life. Other people are better at it in real life. Um, you might say some trumpus when it comes to real life villains. Um... It is a well-trodden path for fine actors to cross over to the bad side, so to speak, and it has happened to many a fine actor, but it only ever happens to fine actors. And of course, fiends, fines, fiends, it's difficult, I don't know the pronunciation is, it changes each time. Fines. Um, fines. <laughs> fines has put in fantastic performances as a good person and has portrayed a wide array of characters, but it is as a movie villain that he's produced his most notable work. Ranker.com, which has no affiliation to this podcast, by the way, did an article on best actors to play movie villains, 
in at number three. It's only bloody Rafi. Now I don't, I don't, I know I don't need to say any more after that, but it's not in the spirit of this podcast, so I shall continue. Um, there's something very cold about him, a sourness and an impatience that's constantly threatening to bubble up from the surface that taints everything. You know, his eyes resemble that of a great white shark. He actually looks somewhat evil. And as a movie villain, he has had formidable results. Um, his performance as Aemon Goth in Shinder's List is a true portrayal of evil. It's cold, dark and unflinching. And Shinder's List, um, he earned an Oscar nomination for the Best Supporting Actor and a British Academy Award. And this made him internationally famous and earned him a spot on the American Film Institute's list of top 50 movie villains. He actually gained £30 to the role to highlight a laugh lack of control that the character has in his life and his his inner void and sadistic nature is shown in a number of scenes but probably the best one is when he recognizes a jewish girl as being as being a human being but he still beats her up savagely um in 2002 he starred in red dragon which is a story which is a story about hannibal lecter you know the cannibal murderer however the focus of the story is actually on the character that finds plays which is the tooth fairy now, that sounds fun and cute, but it's anything but, because he plays a serial murderer who's so disgusted by his own looks that he sticks glass fragments in his victim's eyes so they can't look at him. Just think, a character so gruesome that Hannibal Lecter, a man who eats other people, is glad, is, he's glad that he's caught. You know, it takes a special actor to pull off such a role. And I'm not saying that Ralph uh, Rifeens is psychotic, he's just a brilliant actor. And of course, how could we forget his uh, iconic role as Harry Potter's arch nemesis, Lord Voldemort, was one of the most iconic book and film characters of all time. And finds a speciality in playing tormented monsters, was really intelligent challenged as he entered this world of Harry Potter. And one of interviews, he said that he can understand how lonely Voldemort is since no character's ever loved him. And furthermore, he's deprived of that parental love and he was isolated from a very early age. It takes a great actor to play these disturbed and famous roles. Finders always takes the time to understand the complex mental states of each role, no matter how gruesome and terrifying before embodying him. He is the roles that he plays. Now, obviously, I hear everyone asking, well, why the hell isn't he top sap? Well, that's really through no fault of his own. It's just that there are two more iconic actors who are just ahead of him. But you can't have a top three movie villains without a crazy Nazi, Voldemort, and a man who scares, a man who eats people. Ralph Fiennes, etched in bronze. Thank you very much, Sam. <laughs> this is a good start. Okay, Gem, uh, your mid-tier opening statement, please. Okay, so I see your Rolf Fiennes, and I raise you a Glenn Close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now a lot of people will be sitting there and saying Glenn Close, but let me, let me say one thing. I'm just going to say one phrase that instills villain, that instills antagonist in film funny boiler scene. Everybody knows that phrase of funny boiler scene. They may have never seen the bunny boiler scene, they may not know anything more about it, but they know that that is one of the most iconic horror mo mo movie moments. That moment is from Fatal Attractions, the 1987 uh, American thriller that starred Glenn Close um, as Alex, who was a mentally disturbed journalist. Um, who got very, very obsessed with uh, the male counterpart of film and eventually boiled a bunny in one of the most iconic names for a scene ever. Now, Glenn Close is known for this role. This is the role that catapulted Glenn Close into stardom. Glenn Close, who also, fun fact, only started acting and only took up acting at the age of 27. She only got into films in her 30s. So 
voice for playing close, for illustrating it. You don't have to be in your early 20s or in your teens in order to get into films and become an absolute legend. She's Oscar nominated. She's in, um, she's got numerous numerous accolades, including three primetime Emmy awards, three Tony awards, and three Golden Globe awards. Um, but it's not just about facial attraction. Ben Close herself believes that that character wasn't even a villain. That character was just mentally ill, which back in 1987, that wasn't really the thing that people were focusing on. They were just focusing on, oh, there's a crazy chick. Uh, was very, very forward-thinking of her. But we then move into 1996, when every child will know Glenn Close. They may not know Glenn Close by name, but they know her by face, because she is the black and white-haired donned Cruella de Vil in 101 Dalmatians. Who could be more evil than a woman who skins puppy dogs for fashion? Cruella de Vil who reoccurred in a couple of films. She was and is every child from the 90s worst enemy. She was pure evil. I live in a place in London where down the road is the house they used as her mansion and every time I drive past it in the morning, which is every morning because I have to go to work, I pass that house and I have shivers go down my spine because I'm like, puppies died in that house. It's horrible. But playing close as an actress as well, she is absolutely amazing. She's got another appearance in Dangerous Liaisons with the Marquise Isabel de Mathieu. Never remember how to pronounce the last bit of that name. But she is an actress who can not just play straight down the middle evil villain. She is somebody who can play evil with multiple dynamics, whether it's mental illness as the driving force that actually makes you quite with this character in Fatal Attraction as to whether she can be blamed for being the bunny boiler or whether it's straight up evil in 101 Dalmatians of Cruella de Vil but still somehow be so classic that you want to see her again or you know Dangerous Liaisons characters that have multiple layers to them she manages to make evil characters empathetic which tears you as an audience member down the line She's also, as an actress, bloody brilliant. She also featured in Hook. A follow-up fun fact, she is cast in Hook as one of Hook's pirates, and nobody knew it was her, because she's very, very good at, uh, essentially, she dressed up as a man, and nobody knew it was her. <coughs> which led to Albert Nobbs, which is an absolutely astonishing film about somebody uh, who, in Victorian times, Rest as a man in order to get across, get up, get going in life. We have to wrap it up, Jen. We have to wrap it up. is somebody who, as an actress, is able to play villainous and antagonistic characters in in a multitude and on a spectrum of evil with different motives. If you really think about that person as an actual human being and not just as a bad guy. Thank you very much. Okay. So, Sav, mm-hmm. what is your rebuttal? So, um, my first uh, rebuttal is um, I noticed that Jem at one point said points for Glencoe's for starting late. Um, Rachel gives other points, Jem. 
So uh, just to point that out in this episode. Um, who can be more evil than Cruella de Vil? Um, oh, I don't know. Let's say a Nazi. Widely recognised as the most evil people that have ever lived. Um, you know, he is so... There's a scene in Schindler's List where he's confronting a Jewish maid and he's so disgusted by being in her presence. She doesn't even think that she's a human. Um, he, says, he actually says to her, I realise you're not a person in the strictest sense of the word. Um, he compares her to a rat. Um, you know, he, he treats them as vermin. Um, and as I said, in Red Dragon, he, he kills people for sport. He's a serial killer and he freaks out Hannibal Lecter. That guy eats people. <laughs> Um, it takes a special kind of sadistic villain to scare a man who eats people. Um, and he sticks glass fragments in their eyes because he's so disgusted by his own look. He's mentally disturbed. And, and what my point really is, sometimes you don't need to be empathetic towards a villain. Sometimes you have to detest the villain. That's really their point. That the antagonist, you have to dislike them. And Ralph Fiennes has embodied um, evil in all of his roles. These iconic movie villains that he's played, they are all evil. You have no empathy for them. He even tried to kill a child in Harry Potter. He was so angered and so had so much hate and evil in him that he wanted to kill a child who had done nothing wrong. Um, now, I, I know how great Glenn Close is, but um, I think in terms of playing a movie villain, you need that bit of evil, you need that um, sadistic nature in you to make you a proper villain. And, and, Ralph, and Ray Fiennes has embodied that in, in all of his roles, in his most iconic roles that he's known for. Um, and that's why I think he's just got over the edge of a, of a Glenn. I'm not going to disparage Glenn. I don't think that that's not, we're not doing that today. That's not fair. I know we do that in other ones, like, your colour shit, but I don't have the heart to say what Glenn Close is stupid, so that, but no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. And, Jem, your rebuttal for Sam, please. Okay, so now I'm saying this with absolute adoration of Rob Fiennes. As a creator, he has directed and made and performed in some of my favourite films of the time. None of which that you've mentioned, but of all time. But I'm going to say this. If British villains are the best, why is he only in third place? Um, also, the coldness and the, 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 the impatience that he's got an evil look. Glenn Close has been categorised as being one of the best villains and actors who can play villains because of her features as well. But she's come down with official charts in that and the official reviews of her icy features being one of the key reasons why she can pull off um, characters like Corella DeVille. Now, I'm going to bring up, uh, just on your rebuttal first, um, if he's a Nazi, why isn't he higher? Uh, and I'll come back to that in one of my later arguments. Um, also, you're talking about how he, he compares this child and this woman the rap, and all that you're saying and all that I'm hearing is that you're talking about what's written down in the script. You're just talking about the best villainous script writer and the best villainous script. Not about the acting. Acting goes much further than the word. Acting, acting is what brings to life the script. So, which is what, what Glenn Close does. Lots of people would have played Alex and been on trash and just backed it crazy. But she didn't. She brought in extra layers, just like with... Um, Cruella de Vil, who, when you say sometimes you want to detect, just detest an evil villain, that's Cruella de Vil. Who doesn't like her? Even in the animation, she's like pinky, purple, and blech. Um, also, uh, when Ralph Fiennes, I'm going to take your argument about Ralph Fiennes uh, murdering children and make you close murdering puppies. 
So, and I said, Bruh. I know, I know it's a close call, but puppies, look at them, 101 of them. And then again, 102 of them. That's 203 puppies that this woman has tried to murder. Also, going back to Ralph Fiennes in Red Dragon, yes, okay, he might be the focus of, of the film Red Dragon, but that was the third in a series that was all about Dr. Hannibal Lecter. So if he is so, so good at playing this villain, then why did he not have a film of his own? Why was it based in the Hannibal Lecter films rather than Hannibal Lecter making an appearance in a Rolf Fiennes film about the Tooth Fairy? It's something where you sit there and you go, okay, maybe Hannibal was glad that he was caught, but was he caught, glad that he was caught because it is somebody who is absolutely atrocious, or is it just because Hannibal Lecter wants to be the star of his own film and wants somebody to stop riding on his cat tails? Um, also, Voldemort, understanding his loneliness. These are all just things that actors do. They do in order to understand the characters and not just test themselves picking up these roles. But did the loneliness of Voldemort come through at any point during the film? No, Voldemort was just evil, missing a nose. So I think Blaine Close is far better than Ralph Fiennes, despite the fact that I absolutely adore Ralph Fiennes, but I think Ralph Fiennes is far better at Shakespeare and playing heroes in Shakespeare, like Coriolanus, and potentially antagonists, depending on how you take that. But Rolf Fiennes is far better at Shakespeare, far better at bringing to life Shakespearean characters and Shakespearean narratives, rather than Glenn Close, who is so, so goddamn good at bringing to, bringing to life complex and antagonistic villains. Thank you very much, Jim. Okay, so... Going over your opening statements, uh, so <laughs> I love the uh, the best of British and how the um, some other countries can uh, trump us in terms of, of real life villains. That was a fantastic opening point, um, and I like the information that it was that Ralph Fiennes has been um, best ranker's website is number three to match your own choice. Um, I like your descriptions of him as cold as sourness, looking like a great white shark. Um, you had a great list of, of movies, uh, Shinnesis, Red Dragon, Harry Potter, these all very, very iconic roles that he played and very, very recognised, um, even if you haven't seen them. Um, I love the fact that, you know, even Hannibal, this point about Hannibal not liking the Tooth Fairy character and he ate people. Um, and the fact that he said that he's very good at playing talent, uh, t- tormented monster characters, especially with Voldemort. And I like the, the interview sort of snippets he used for that. And all the awards that you mentioned that he had. Um, so for your opening statement, you have nine points. Gem. Um, female character choice, yes. <laughs> female, sorry, female actor choice. Um, again, Bunny Boiler, iconic. Like you said, even if you haven't seen the film, you know of that saying. It's kind of now like a coverall for people when they say this batshit crazy person, like... It's not necessarily always a good thing, but it's a very, very well-known phrase now. Um, I like the information that you had about Glenn Close being an actor, and, an actress in her late twenties. Um, again, all the awards that you mentioned. Um, I like the that you put in about her being forward-thinking in terms about mental illness in her role as as uh, as a body boiler. Um, and obviously, Cruella, you know, child enemy, fantastic point. It's. Um, 
And I like that you mentioned about getting the shivers from the house every time you go past the set. I think that's fantastic. Um, and that she had lots of dynamics and you had empathy with some of her characters. And I liked the hook fact she put in as well. Um, but you did take too long in your opening statement. So with the I so I'd had to take a point off for that. Ooh. <laughs> so you also got nine points. <laughs> so one, two, three, four. All right, I'm just counting everyone's... Um... <laughs> Is this last week's bitterness coming through again? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like this isn't a fair argument. <laughs> um, right, okay, okay. And then the rebuttals. Um, that was sad, a great opening point about, you know, what's more evil than a Nazi? That's a great point. Um, and the fact that Ray Fiennes can embody evil. Um I liked the the no empathy point, and I also like that you're like I'm not going to insult Glenn because she she good, <laughs> so you actually got an extra point for that as well. Um, but I was kind of funny that you were making a lot of points on his characters rather than him as an actor. So um, you ended up with four points on your rebuttal, so you've got thirteen overall. Um, and then, Gem. Again, I loved the point you made about well, if you say if British if British make better villains, why is he in third place? Um, I liked that you wrote about that you went on about Glenn's icy features. Um, again, really, you also put a really good point in, which is which I agreed with. Was um, Sab was mentioning a lot of things about what's written in the script is making a good villain rather than the acting. So um, you've got a point for that. Um, I also like the point you said about Hannibal only being glad because now he's back to its own. <laughs> glad to throw his court because he's now back to his own franchise. Um, and I also liked um, the point you said about <laughs> having no nose. Like he's just got no nose or something. Um, and I like the point you said about uh, Ray Fiennes being better at Shakespeare rather than as a sort of all-rounded um, sort of villain. Um, though I did disagree with your point where you said that does Vault do you really sense Voldemort's loneliness? And I actually thought you can in the movies, so um I knocked a point for that. But then so for our rebuttals, Sab, you got five points. And Jem, you got six. <laughs> So that means uh, our mid-tier winner is Glenn Close. And that's really tough for me because I fucking love Ray Fiennes, like, so much. Uh, he is... <laughs> I know. I love, love, love Ray Fiennes. But when I read... Because he was one of the options that I had for... Um... So was Glenn Close. So I do... <laughs> And I was just like, you know what, Ralph Pines, why do you love him? And I was like, it's not, I don't love him for Voldemort. I love him for Coriolanus. I love him for so many other things that he's done. It's not really for him being a villain. So... I tell you what, I absolutely love him in um, Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel. That is... It's great, isn't it? That, that's his best work. I'm not even... I, I will not have that debated. That is his best work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so round one. Ghost gem. So gem, uh, I'll get you. I'll get. I'll get you to uh, start our elite tier, um, and I'm going to be. I'm going to keep you tight on time this time. 
Just <laughs> do what we do to comedians, which is like, give me a 30 second, like. Heckle you. Yeah. I'll ha- heckle you, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting there going, I'm looking for the light, but all I'm doing is looking at it. <laughs> okay, Gem, uh, your elite tier villain pl- actor, please take it away. Okay, so my elite, my second, second place has to go to the one, the only Tom Hardy. Now, when I pitched this to other people, they kind of looked at me and went, what? Uh, because when you think Tom Hardy, you mainly think, okay, maybe he was a villain because he was Bane. Now, acting through a mask is incredibly difficult. I'm not going to go into much more than that. I'm just going to be dipping into the different roles of Tom Hardy because he plays villains so well and he's played them so often. He's actually been quoted as saying he prefers playing villains because they're actually interesting compared to heroes. So, and he's also played heroes in films, which is fantastic, which means that he's got that range as an actor and also he, he finds interesting things to play across all different platforms. But he's played villains quite a lot, so I'm just going to be dipping into those. But Bane, it's incredibly hard to act through a mask, and he actually did it. And despite the fact that there was a lot of criticism for that role, it was still quite, you know, the threat to Batman that Bane posed, if only because Tom Hardy went from somebody who's known to be quite a short man uh, to be being such a towering, towering, powerful character through the physical transformation that he goes through for that film. It's incredible. Tom Hardy is somebody who's absolutely and completely committed to the role when he goes for it. Talking about physical transformation, when you start thinking about Tom Hardy and actually the villainous characters that he plays, you start to really start to realize why he deserves this place in the top villainous actors of all time. Because Bronson. If anyone who's seen the film Bronson, you will be sitting there going, uh-huh, yeah, just give him all the awards. That film blew my mind, mostly because of Tom Hardy's performance. And Tom Hardy, who is somebody... Got 30 seconds, Gem. Tom Hardy met Bronson, and Bronson didn't like him, but Tom Hardy changed Bronson's mind. That's incredible. He also then starred in Venom, which is also, you know, the absolute villain of a character, but plays two characters. In villain, in, in venom, being the, the, the alien dude, the Ten evil seconds. dude, evil dude, and then legend. I have to mention legend because he played two characters there, and it's absolutely fantastic. And watch legend because if you want to see an actor truly at work, legend is where you're going to see an actor playing against themselves with two opposite characters that you don't recognize the actor, and you don't recognize that it's the same person playing two characters, and he's absolutely fantastic as an actor. Also, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy just wins. <laughs> Like speaking like techniques and speaking nicely and using language, and then it just all goes in 30 seconds. Okay, who cares about just ram it in, ram it in. Oh, brilliant! Okay, that was great. Oh, dear, right, Sam, (laughs) your elite tier villain actor, please. Yes. I mean, like, like I said, um, it happens to many fine actors, but it only ever happens to fine actors. And guess who Ranker.com, again, no affiliation with this podcast, uh, put as number two on their list. Yep. Alan Rickman. 
Alan Rickman belongs to that rare group of humans who can say more with their eyebrows than most people could in a two-hour monologue. And it has, he has that ability to strike fear into an audience with just a tiny flick of his forehead that has made him the consummate on-screen villain. So, you know, roles from Professor Snape to the Sheriff of Nottingham. He didn't just define the idea of a Brit as the enemy in the modern era of cinema. He practically invented it. Um, you know, Alan Rickman is quite simply one of the greatest cinema bad guys in history. And not bad, you know, because he started at the age of 41, um, his first film uh, role arrived just two days after he did it in Los. He did arrive in Los Angeles as Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Some of our generation obviously know him best as Severus Snape, but to another generation, he is most defined by his role in Die Hard, and it takes something very special. You now he classically trained actor in an action film that stars Bruce Willis. And we may remember all the explosions, the broken glass, but for a large part, the movie is made of plodding moments of dread. That induce monotony and quiet. And no other action movie really has so many characters just walking around in anonymous corridors. And at the centre of this is Hans Gruber. Not only the perfect straight man, but also the guiding spirit of the thing. He's oddly contained. He actually seems quite bored by the mayhem that he sets in motion. He delivers his first lines to the hostages by reading them from a little book as if he needs to remind himself why he's performing these criminal things that he's doing. He's so brilliantly nonchalant in it. He's never looked so brilliantly uninterested by firing a machine gun or executing a civilian. He's completely deadpan. Um, you know, it's almost as if he's saying, like, who cares? You know, Die Hard made Bruce Willis a movie star, but it earned Rickman a whole different kind of recognition. Um, a r- impossible to replicate action movie villain. And the secret in it, because he thought Rickman himself has gone and said, I don't think I'm playing a villain. I'm just playing somebody who wants certain things in life, who has made certain choices and goes after them. And it's little wonder that he was cast as Severus Snape, who was a villain, but he's far more complex than he first appeared. Less surprising than people loved him, more than the beloved boy wizard. A character so complex and engaging that only someone like Alan Rickman could could portray it. He started out as a villain, but then ends up as a hero. It takes, uh, makes you believe, to make that believable, you need the right person, you need a fine actor. And the thing about Alan Rickman is that his villains villains are just lost in cinema history. They're iconic. They are elite. The evil judge of Sweeney Todd, the sheriff of Nottingham, his lasting impression as the cruel bearded German isn't an insult to his memory, but a tribute to his charisma which automatically made you root for anyone that he played. And Al Rigman wasn't just a great movie villain actor. He was an iconic one. He was truly brilliant. And you know it's good when the villain is a character people love more than a protagonist. And that is what Alan Rickman did better than most. So thank you, Alan Rickman, and may you rest in peace. Thank you very much. <laughs> I need to, I'm like, still like trying to take notes out of what everyone's saying. Like, oh my God, there's so many points. Yeah, just start a tally chart. Just... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel really bad that I'm going to have to fight against Alan Rickman because that man, he is an astonishing actor. He is. He's a... Right, Jem, are you ready for your rebuttal? Oh, I hope so. I'm, I'm very ready with the points. With the, with the points I'm going to make. I don't know if I'm ready to say them as fast as I need to say them. <laughs> well, you've got your two minutes. <laughs> you've got... listening to this, like, put this on, like, Half speed now, and you'll be able to follow. Right, you ready? Yeah. Go. Okay, so Alan Rickman, he is an astonishing performer, but Tom Hardy also is a British villain, and he is defining what it is to be a British villain of the modern day. Now, I'm going to go straight in to Die Hard. You said that a classically trained actor in an action film, that, 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 that's very rare. Tom Hardy is also a classically trained actor, but he is action films the majority of the time. I'm going to bring up Mad Max. He wasn't a villain there, necessarily, but that is a classically trained actor in, a, in, in an action film. Same with Venom, same with The Dark Knight Rises. I could just keep going, but I'm not going to. You go look at his eyes. 
Um, Severus Snape, I'm going to hone in right there and say that Severus Snape was never actually a villain. We may have thought that he was a villain, but he never was the villain, unlike um, one of the characters that Tom Hardy played. Because I thought of Alan Rickman, but then I thought Severus Snape not actually a villain. Severus Snape is potentially the hero of Harry Potter and the whole series. So I'm going to hone in again on the complexity that you say Alan Rickman has. Tom Hardy has that in ample folds. I'm going to bring up Bronson. Bronson is absolutely notoriously one of the worst human beings on the face of the planet. Sorry, Bronson. Uh, but the reason I'm saying sorry, Bronson, is because Tom Hardy made me sit there and go, actually, this is a human being with lots of complexity. And he does that with venom. He does that with fame. He does it in legend, taking a crate twin. Again, 30 seconds. But you sit there and you actually, you empathize with them. You want to be in, around them because of his charisma, which is what Alvin Rickman has in your words, but Tom Hardy has it in ample form. Tom Hardy has charisma enough to go chase down some dude on a moped get some ladies' um, purse back in real life. Tom Hardy is the trained classical actor. He was a real-life superhero as well, but also loves villains because, and has quite a villainous past. If you go and look into it, but I'm not going to shame him right now. He's iconic, but he's iconic for the modern day and give him a few more years to have the length of career that Alan Rickman has and Tom Hardy will far out, outweigh and outshadow the, the shadow that Alan Rickman casts on the villainous playing world. There's nothing more that you love than a, than a villain who can outshine a protagonist. But Tom Hardy in Venom. Tom Hardy in... I'm going to have to cut you short, Jen. And the villain. He's a complex actor. You can do both. And why would you need anything more? Okay. There are even times where I'm speaking where I'm like, I'm just listening to what I say. I'm playing as much as everybody else is. <laughs> I'm, I've got. I've got. I'm gonna to have to tally at the points after I'm done with this, right, Sam? <laughs> you're in battle, please. And again, you'll have two minutes and take it away. Okay. So this might be controversial to some. Now the frauds that you mentioned a few times there, um, Bane and Venom, they were incredibly disappointing films and roles. Um, I was there too, in terms of comic books, there were things I was so looking forward to seeing and they just fell flat, damp squib, especially Venom, man. Oh my God, I can't, I don't think I was looking, I was looking forward to such a, and I was like, oh, this is no, sorry, no. I'm not really even looking forward to the second, that's how bad it was. And an an actor that I do really like in Tom Hardy, but no, I don't know, I'm surprised they made a second because it was uh, critically panned as well. Tom Hardy is a great actor and he's been in a lot of iconic roles, but he doesn't, I don't think he can be just defined by just his villain roles. He's such a, got a wide array of roles on both sides and even just in the middle as well. He's more just seen as a great actor rather than just a movie villain actor. Um, and, you know, uh, but Alan, and you've mentioned obviously he's a classic trained actor, but Alan, and he'd be appearing in action films, but Alan Rickman set the tone. He he put that president of British actors to do that. A classic train in a movie that you don't quite see them. They see Tom Hardy's got the look. He looks like someone who belongs in action film. But Alan Rickman, on paper, it just doesn't fit. Especially in a film starring Bruce Willis. But he made it work. Die Hard is one of the most iconic... I mean, it's, it's one of the most iconic films of all time. And it, it really shouldn't be. And a large part of that is because of Alan Rickman's performance. It's so beautiful. There's this classic, psychotic villain 
who is just who just doesn't seem to care. It's a villain like we've never seen before, you know. And we've already you've spoken about what Tommy might do, but Alan Ringer's already been there and done it. He set the precedent, he set the tone, he set the bar. He's been there and done it. He's accomplished all these things, which Tom Hardy may or may not achieve. We don't know yet. He's going great, but we don't know. Whereas we know that Alan Ringer has had a great career and is defined as one of the best movie villain actors of all time. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't envy Rachel right now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally like trying so hard to like write down notes I'm like this is a good point this is a good point oh my god and also try and keep up with it and listen at the same time um I just want to sit here and like can I have a second rebuttal because we're getting really fast really into this one I know okay you're gonna right I'll go through the points I haven't added up the points yet but okay so um Jem starting with your um opening statement um, I liked your bit about acting through a mask. Very true. It's all in the eyes, it's all in the voice and the, his physicality. It's not just about sort of just seeing his face. Um, I liked your quote about him, say, Tom Hardy saying that he prefers playing villains as they're more interesting. Um, I also like that you did mention that he also plays heroes. He has that kind of range as an actor, um, which I think, yeah, it's a great point. Um, his physical transformation and his role commitment um through you know what he can do with his own body um I like obviously I've seen Bronson it's a mega film and I like that you've said that he changed Bronson's mind about his opinion of him I love that um and obviously mentioning about legend and the conflicting characters um I was a little disappointed you didn't mention Star Trek Nemesis actually because he's in that as the bad guy it's like one of his first roles and it starts him off as playing this. And if I did, if I if I didn't have a two minute thing, I would have just sat here and read his IMDb page. Um, just a case of I went, oh, Bronson is one of the only films that's genuinely flawed me. In like, mm. whoa, man! If you haven't seen it, genuinely, just go. It'll... It is a great film. Fantastic. It is a great film. Okay. So. For your opening statement, Gem, you got eight points. Uh, Sab, for your opening statement, you um, mentioned all the roles that um, Alan Rickman has played, especially as the villain. Um, I like that you said that he invented the villain role. Um, there's not many roles you can think of, actually, where you go, all oh, villain, Alan Rickman, usually he is up there. Um, I like that yours again mentioned that he started when he was 41 um, and that he's a classically trained actor working with Bruce Willis. <laughs> I thought that was a great point. Um, and the new recognition for like a villain role through Die Hard. Um, I like the quote you put in about um, not playing the villain, I think you said. Um, and the fact that you had Snape's character, which was sort of very complex. And it started off as a, he, he seemed like the villain and then turned into the hero. Um, and obviously mentioning the Sheriff of Nottingham, which is one of my personal favourite roles that he's done. Um, and I like that you said about it, it being a tribute to his, his I think it's a tribute to his memory, about all his, his films being sort of a tribute to him and his acting and his memory. Um, but you did take too long <laughs> for your thing. So uh, you've got one. Um, you've also got eight points. <laughs> oh, damn it, time. <laughs> um, right, okay. And then on to the rebuttals. Jem, I like that you said... Um, that obviously Ben Hardy was also British, like the British bad guy thing. Um, he is a modern day villain. I liked that. Um, 
uh, you mentioned he is actually a classically trained actor um, and that he's in action films. That was a good um, rebuttal against uh, against Sab. Um, I like that you did mention that Sab wasn't a villain because a Snape, sorry, Sab wasn't a villain. Snape, Snape wasn't a villain. I'm, I'm also not a villain, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Completely refute that claim. Thank you. <laughs> um, and Tom Hardy brings character complexity, which is, does a lot of his, his characters where he plays a villain. You, you always have a lot of sympathy for that character as well. Um, and I like the point you made about you know, Tom Hardy's only just gotten started. If he has enough, as much time in his acting career as um, as Alan Rickman does, he would be up there with him, if not better. I really like that point. But again, you were too long on your rebuttal. <laughs> so that was like this point. I'm going to be harsher when I'm when I'm a host and actually time you guys because I'm just like, oh, I'm just. Okay. Um, and. Then uh, Sab's rebuttal, I like that you put about um, Bane and Venom being sort of quite disappointing in terms of from the the comic books, especially. Um, I like that you said he is a, a genuinely, he is, um, Alan Rickman is a genuinely good actor, he's a great actor, um, and that he set the tone for villains, for other villains, to play, other actors to play villains into the future. So for example, Tom Hardy. Um um, I like that you also said that Alan Alan has already done what people set out to do. Like what what can they do? like people saying oh what can a villain do? Alan's already done it. Um, and you said that Tom Hardy could be this and he could be that, but we haven't seen it yet. Whereas Alan has done it. Um, though I wanted to hear more about Robin Hood and his character as the Sheriff of Nottingham because that to to be almost like a sort of slapstick villain, but do it very seriously is such a great thing. Anyway. So, Jem, for your rebuttal, you got four points. Oh, God. Sab, for your rebuttal, you got five points. Oh. So, um, in it by one point again, yeah. is uh, Alan Rickman is our elite tier villain. I knew this was going to be a point in each one. <laughs> Like genuinely, this is this is this is why I'm being so harsh because of like the timing and stuff. Because the points, otherwise, it's just going to be on the line. Photo finish. Two different hosting techniques here. Rachel's gone from just going to be really harsh and like really strict, and then my approach when it, in the same situation was just start randomly allocating points. Points for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> points for everybody. Well, depending on how this final the final round goes, it could it could come down to me just flinging points at you, depending on what kind of what kind of stuff you come up with. So, I genuinely like I, I don't know who Sam picked. I think I could possibly maybe guess at one who was who was the only other contender for mine in the place of like top. And I hope it's that person because I know a lot about them, so I can just beat them down, and I don't want to. <laughs> I genuinely like if you didn't go with who I chose, who the hell are you go with? Please say Tom Hardy because that would just be hilarious. No, I've not. There's no clashing at all. So, um, so who won the? So Sab, you won the last round. Um, yeah, yeah, you can start the last. You can. I'm ready to go first. Okay. 
Yes, well, and Sam, tell us about tell us who your god tier villain actor is. Well, well, guess who Ranker.com, again, affiliation to this podcast, put as number one on their list. It is, of course, Sir Christopher Lee. Sir Christopher Lee. Oh, no! Put some respect on that. Lee was a monumentally celebrated artist. In 2009, he was knighted for his services to the dramatic arts. He was a recipient of a BAFTA fellowship in 2011 and a BFI fellowship in 2013. But most importantly... Sir Christopher is one of the most iconic, sorry, the most iconic figures in horror cinema. A legendary actor of the order of Boris Karloff and Vincent Price. Um, he's played some iconic movie villains. In fact, he was born to play these. In 1957, he starred in The Curse of Frankenstein. His imposing size, his stiff movements and his homicidal violence all haunted audiences. And as a result of this performance, it ushered in a new style of gothic film production where everything would be shot lovingly, technical or red. A style that would make possible Lee's next and most enduring role. Because in, in 1958, he starred in The Horror of Dracula as the eponymous vampire. His performance in The Engineers, a complete reversal of the monstrous image he projected in Frankenstein. When he descends down to greet his visitors, we see him as tall, athletic and strikingly handsome. But when he finally opens his mouth, we're introduced to a deeply resonant baritone voice, a commanding charismatic aristocrat on the surface anyway. But his performance is so terrifying that when he lets slip the human mask revealed as a blood-hungry blood demon lurking underneath, his eyes bloodshot, pupils dilated, a dripping orifice dripped in gore, all pulled back into an animal sna snarl. This unforgettable expression would guarantee his legendary status in the annals of horror. And we didn't just stop there. Um, Assassin is Sacramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun as James Bond, or Lord Summer's Island, the law horror mystery The Wicker Man, uh, in that he sacrifices a human police officer to, uh, who is investigating the abduction of a, of a young child. Um, leading, he leads a pagan death cult on the Caribbean island. It's truly evil, and it's portrayed with so much realism. He personifies his roles, the body language, tone, eyes, movement. He's perfect. But he also brought that into um, a, more mod a newer generation. Count Dooku in Star Wars, Lord Saruman, Lord of the Rings. Um, and he remained true to his character, outwardly charismatic, but co covertly evil. Um, we can all agree that Sir Christopher was a legendary actor, but his career was defined by his roles as movie villains of all different types, all different nuances and backstories. Each role is different despite sharing the same evil intentions and only an actor of the caliber of Sir Christopher could play these roles. He brought in a new era of movie making in the horror genre. He was born for these roles. Even his looks and height added to the villains he was portraying. The world of cinema is better for Christopher Lee. In an era where movie villains are increasingly bland and boring and deeply unmemorable, Sir Christopher was iconic. He is the best bad guy in a movie, a godly actor for the god tier, and it's very fitting. Rest in peace, Sir Christopher. Respect. Mm. Okay. Whew. Uh. That's, uh, that, was, that, that came in strong. <laughs> <laughs> you, know those, you know those movies, those, those moments in like, war films where people are just sort of sat under a tiny piece of tin and all of that and, and bombs are just raining down and they're just sort of holding their heads and going make it stop um yeah well done that <laughs> <laughs> right, Jim, are you ready yeah yeah oh, let me like play i have a tiger on my head yeah at you, i feel like this is this is like the mecca battle of of classic amazing villain actors and I, 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 oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm ready. I can, I can do justice. I can do justice to my choice. I do feel them better. Okay. Okay, Jem, reveal to us your god tier villain actor. When you think of villain, 
names in movies, you think of one man, and that is Anthony Hopkins. The one, the only, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I'll be honest, I watched this film two days ago, and I'm still a little bit shaken up by it. I don't feel like Christopher Lee has ever done that to me, because he's always sort of the side villain. But he's the villain in films where it's sort of just over there. Um, you know, they're a sideline. They, they, they are there to support a hero. Whereas Hannibal Lecter is... Oh, you know, anybody who's watched that film, especially, go and watch it again recently, because it's just astonishing. Now, Hannibal, I'm just going to focus on that very quickly for one second. Hannibal Lecter won an Oscar. Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar for that film, despite only being in it for less than 20 minutes of the two-hour film. That is a world record. He calls that as world record. Other acclaims is also he has been knighted by the Queen for his, his um, duty to film and acting. He is... Um, an Academy Award winner, he's won three BAFTAs, two Emmys, and also the Cecil B. DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, and he was also knighted back in the, uh, 1993, just fun fact for you there. But with Hannibal, he made Jodie Foster cry because he was so goddamn terrifying. Uh, fun fact about that that he does. Um, currently, he grew up in um, Port Talbot in Wales, so points up to Wales. Um, but he grew up telling stories and scaring the local young ladies about stories of Dracula, and he is in order to do that. So his whole life... 30 seconds. Um, he also didn't blink, which is a technique that he used to make it really um, scary. He also acted perfectly through a mask in Hannibal. Uh, he also was like that. He also... Uh, Hello, Clarice is, is something that we don't... Uh, isn't actually a line. It's Good Evening, Clarice. So we've got the Darth Vader tick point of being a film legendary actor. Also, um... He played Hitler, so most evil person in the world. He played Hitler in Bunker. So that is my opening statement for Anthony Hopkins. Very, very bad. Oh, my God. Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> that was another fantastic opening statement. Oh, my God. I'm just, like, trying to get the right. Okay, do you want to know how many points you've got now or after? After. After, after, yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, Sab. Rebuttal time. I'm 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 out of breath and I'm just writing like notes on what you were saying. Like, yeah, this is great. Okay. <laughs> Sab, two minutes to basically destroy Sir Anthony Hopkins. Off you go. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to do that. That that seems completely disrespectful. I'm not going to do that. Sir Anthony Hopkins is fantastic. Deserves um and obviously. Hannibal Lecter is an, a very, very iconic villain, very iconic um, horror character. However, my, my real point there, um, and from that p- p- pitch, is that he's only really known for one role. I, and I appreciate that's over many different films, but it's only that one role that he's, he's come to be associated with. I didn't actually know that he played Hitler in a film. Now, Hitler is an evil character, obviously, probably the most evil man that's ever lived, but I didn't even know that he'd actually done that. So, as I said, he's really only associated in terms of villains he's only associated with Hannibal Lecter whereas Sir Christopher Lee is associated with such a wide array of iconic characters like you know Frankenstein Dracula the Wicker Man yeah Count Dooku um Saruman these are all iconic characters and he's he's portrayed them all and all made them different from the other because he's you know he is born to play these roles he was you know he's perfect for these villainous roles you know and it takes a a great individual, um, a talented individual to give a difference 
and an individuality to all these characters. Um, and I'm just saying, you know, the reason why he stands just ahead of Sir Anthony Hopkins is because Sir Anthony Hopkins is only known for one particular character, one particular role, whereas Sir Christopher has given different life to different characters in different ways. Um, and I think that's why he just deserves a nod because um, it takes someone truly special to portray um, evil in so many different ways, from bloodthirsty, but also to calm and charismatic and a more quieter kind of sinister, which he portrays so perfectly and so wonderfully, and so terrifyingly as well. Um, you know, horror and Christopher Lee go hand in hand, and uh, that's why he deserves to win. Thank you very much. Oh, just to catch my breath again. <laughs> right, Jen, are you ready? So, um, I mean, Sam didn't really, like, dis- didn't, didn't destroy Sir Anthony Hopkins, but you can now have the opportunity to destroy Sir Christopher Lee, so take it away. I'm not destroy Christopher Lee, I'm going to destroy Sam. Because Christopher Lee deserves to stay in, as an honourable mention in um, this. But I'm going to go, can I go now, or am I still on the clock? Am I on the clock? Yeah, you're on the clock. Okay, so, um, personally, fantastic, but I'm going to go for the argument of quality over quantity. Yes, your Christopher Lee was in so many different films, but you're just listing his IMDb page. You're not actually talking about the quality of his acting, um, which the quality of Anthony Hopkins' acting meant that he made a fictional character of Hannibal Lecter come to, come to life better than, than the actual reality of Hitler. Um, he also features, if you Google Anthony Hopkins, you get the best 34 films of Sir Anthony Hopkins. He is an incredibly accomplished actor with such a wide range of acting ability. Um, he also uses, he's charismatic but evil, just like um, Christopher Lee, and also uses the quietness. But he's known for doing that. He is an actor who, in one singular role, pierced into everybody's souls and completely tore you apart and shut in and actually shook you. He yes, Christopher Lee may have um, made made the era of movie making but Hannibal but Anthony Hopkins through Hannibal alone, never mind all of the other roles that he's played, which you can go and look up yourself. He defined an era of acting. And we're into we are arguing Betty Sex. And also I came up with this list by myself. I didn't just go to rankers.com and choose the one, two, three off there, Sam. So <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, he may not sit there on rankers.com, but he sits there on Wikipedia, on IMDb, in people's memories as the greatest movie villain of all time. Plus, he's got so many other films, which you can go and watch them. Fantastic. Where he plays villains. He's got all of these things that absolutely support this argument. But I am going to take faith in the fact that Hannibal Lecter and his... His role as Hannibal Lecter can strike as much fear into your soul as the whole catalogue of Christopher Lee's villains. But he did that with one character, not with all of them. He did that with one. And if you think, if you ask anybody who is the villain, the most villainous actor you can think of, they're going to say Anthony Hopkins. Because even though that film came out in 1991, it still hurts people today. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in under time, despite not really um, under time. <laughs> well, on my timer, you were over, but I was like, I'm, 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 I'll let it slide on this one. <laughs> okay, so, Sab, in your opening statement for Sir Christopher Lee, um, 
<laughs> I like Shira put some respect on that. <laughs> it's a fantastic opening little sentence. Um, I like that you mentioned him haunting audiences uh, in his Frankenstein role, um, talking about Dracula, um, his sort of own physicalities, like his tall, athletic, handsome. Um, he's charismatic in these roles. He's also in James Bond, um, Wicker Man. Um, I like that you said he personifies these roles. He puts, a, you know, puts the realism into it. Um, and that you mentioned about it being a new age. Um, he's also in new age films, not just the older ones. You've got Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Um, and that he said he had all these different roles with the same calibre of acting and obviously the same calibre of evil. And that he changed the horror, horror genre. So um, great opening statement. You got 12 points. And Jem, um, yeah. I liked your points about Hannibal Lecter, um, that you're sort of saying that Christopher Lee kind of has sometimes like a sideline character rather than it being the main character, um, that you were still shaking by watching Silence of the Lambs and that he got, tw- he got an Oscar for 20 minutes of, of screen time. Um, all the awards he mentioned and his lifetime achievements, um, <laughs> like that he made Jodie Foster cry. Sorry, Jodie Foster. Um, and that he scared local women with his um, doing these horror stories. And um, the fact that he played Hitler. I mean, he's a more evil person than that. So you and you got 10 points for your opening statement. No. Then going on to the rebuttals. um Sab, I like that you mentioned that Anthony Hopkins had basically used more associated with one evil role rather than Christopher Lee, who has loads, um, and that you didn't know he that um, that Anthony Hopkins played Hitler. Um, you had iconic evil characters that that Christopher Lee played, um, and that he brought different life to different characters and the different variations of evil for each character. Gem. Uh, and I like that you put quality over quantity rather than having all these different roles. He was so good in one role that you that's all he needed. Um, that he brought out the character better than the real person. Um, that he defined acting in his sort of roles as, as well, as a cannibal, basically. Um, and I liked your point about how Sav's basically copied Rankers.com. <laughs> Well, no, I didn't. I just that just happened to be what the, I just coming back later. I just noticed that it happened to match my list. That was. <laughs> and I also like that you put, um, you know, the fear he created from one film sort of outranked all of Christopher Lee's characters. I, that, I thought that was just a really good point. So, okay. I've never been so tense. I mean. Yeah, your counting up is making it worse. The suspense. So... <laughs> okay, so. Sab, with your opening statement, you got 12 points. And your rebuttal, you got four points. So that's an overall of 16. Gem, with your opening statement, you got 10 points. And, oh my God, you both look so tense. I'm not breathing, I'm just... And you had a slightly stronger, and I say very slightly stronger rebuttal. And, but you got five points so (laughs) by one point again (laughs) so 16 points I got you Christopher I got you I think Christopher Lee and Anthony Hopkins in all fairness you put them up as 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 these mecha battlers the only the only things that are going to fail and lose in a mecha battle are 
is the city that they destroy. And I feel like my soul <laughs> is the city and my debate skills and my reputation as a debater is the thing that this debate is just destroyed. I mean, that was tough. I'm genuinely exhausted after that. Like, <laughs> That was a proper Oh, God. <laughs> so to review, we've got our mid-tier villain actor is... Uh, I've, I've already lost my points now. <laughs> was Ray Fiennes? No, it was Glenn Close. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Glenn Close. See, this is this is my point. I'm happy to take. I'm happy to take. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's try that again. So um, our mid-tier villain actor is Glenn Close. Our elite-tier villain actor is the legendary Alan Rickman, and our god-tier, also R.I.P. Christopher Lee. Oh my gosh. There. Okay. <laughs> right. So of course these are, these decisions are final. So if you disagree, you can write us a strongly worded letter that I'll use to line my hamster cage. Plot twist. I don't have a I hamster. I might have to write that, that letter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Uh, plot twist. I don't have a hamster. And uh, we'll see you again next week for another round of Bunch of Rankers. So for now, it's goodbye from Sam. Adios. Goodbye from Jem. Bye-bye. And goodbye from me. Bye.